Hey, good morning, and uh, welcome to River Glen. Welcome, everybody. Good to see you. Welcome, everybody, here in Waukesha and in Pewaukee. And those of you joining us online, great to have you with us on the other side of the uh, camera. Before we get started, since it is Fourth of July weekend, I thought it'd be good for us to take a moment and express our gratitude for independence. I know we have people who attend in Waukesha and Pewaukee and online who have served or are serving to uh, protect our uh, ability to uh, live and worship in freedom, and we don't want to take that for granted, right? So would you join me and uh, let's show, let's say thank you. Yeah, okay, today we're uh, beginning this new series called Hey Google, Hey Google. How many of you have done a Google search at some point? Yeah, okay, quite a few, they're very popular. People Google all kinds of questions. What's the weather? When's the release date? of a certain movie, and did you know this, that more and more people are actually Googling some of the most important questions about life and faith and God. I actually came across a list of the top spiritual questions that people Googled, and we're gonna talk about some of those in this series, but first, I got got a little uh, multiple choice question for you. How many uh, Google searches uh, do you think get done every single day worldwide? Do you think it's Uh, 250 million, Uh, 900 million, 3.5 billion, or hang on, I've got to ask Google. And of course, it's 3.5 billion. That's 40,000 Google searches every second of every day. Google's very uh, popular. It's a great tool in many ways. But what we're going to do in this series is we're going to take uh, these some of these uh, top spiritual questions that people Google, but instead of asking our computer, we're going to ask our creator these these questions and see what he has to say. And so here's one of the top uh, spiritual questions that people Google, and uh, we're going to talk about this one today. What is the Holy Spirit? And I'm not surprised that a lot of people Google this question because I think the Holy Spirit seems mysterious uh, to, to many people and is very misunderstood. And for a lot of us, it's because of our church background. Yeah, I, I know I grew up going to church every Sunday, grew, grew up going to a Sunday school uh, every Sunday, and I don't remember uh, learning a lot about the Holy Spirit. When I grew up, uh, the Trinity was maybe uh, God, Jesus, and the Holy Bible. Yeah, I just didn't really learn a lot or hear a lot about the, the Holy Spirit. I, I know the Holy Spirit was there, kind of like I know I have a pituitary gland, and I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative for it, and I'm sure it's awesome, does great things but I'm not exactly sure uh, what. And uh, I I just didn't understand the Holy Spirit. On the flip side, maybe some of us grew up in church environments where the Holy Spirit, you know, if we're we're honest, was kind of the star of the show. And every Sunday, the Holy Spirit took center stage. I mean, Jesus and and God uh, were were good and important, but the Holy Spirit, you know, maybe if we're honest, was a little little bit overemphasized. But for a lot of us, neither of those situations are true because we didn't grow up going to church. If you didn't grow up going to church, when we start talking about the Holy Spirit, it it might sound mysterious for some of us. Let's say that I asked you, no matter how long you've attended church, Uh, Which member of the Trinity, this is the Trinity here, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which member of the Trinity would you say you know the best? Uh, Which one do you know the most 
about. I would, I would doubt that very many of us would say uh, the, the, that we know the Holy Spirit the, the best. I wouldn't say the Holy Spirit. I, I feel like I've got so much more to learn about the Holy Spirit. But here's something interesting to me. If you got stranded tomorrow on a desert island and you only had one book uh, to read, that was the Bible, and you started reading the Bible, particularly the New Testament, by the time you finished the New Testament, probably one of your biggest questions would be, who is the Holy Spirit? How do I get this amazing power and presence in my life? Because all the miracles and epic things that happened in and through that early church happened through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so what I want to do today is not just help us understand the Holy Spirit. That's important. I want to help us experience the Holy Spirit, its power and its presence on a whole different level. When you look at scripture, you you find two words most commonly translated spirit. In the Old Testament, the most common word for spirit is ruah. In the New Testament, uh, the word for spirit is the word pneuma. And the reason I show you these words is because they have something in common. Both of them convey uh, the idea of wind. At their root, both words have this idea of wind, which is a great analogy for helping us understand the uh, Holy Spirit. How many of you remember when you were a kid? Anybody fly a kite? You ever ever fly a kite when you were a kid? Oh yeah, I used to love to uh, fly a a, a kite. You know, I don't know if kids fly these much or play with these much today, but when I was a kid, you could get one of these for maybe a dollar or two, and they were cheap. Uh, They were easy to put together. I think there's like one piece that you put in, in, in place. And, uh, and then when you, you go outside to fly it, there's one thing that matters. I mean, what matters most when you go outside to fly a kite? Wind. Yeah. You know, if you want this thing to go up in the air and soar, you got to have wind. When I was a little kid, I didn't really understand that. I remember sometimes going outside with my kite, and my mom would be like, there's not much wind out there today. And I'm like, I'll show you. You know, I'll get this kite up in the air. Uh, because, did you know this? You can run with a kite. And you can get it, you can get it up in the air. Uh, you know, I'll, let me let me try and see if I can give you a, give you an example here. Let's see if we can get this thing up in the air. You know, gives you a little idea. Yeah, if I was a faster pastor, it might go up higher uh, in the air. But you know, you run, you can run with a kite. You can run hard, and for a moment, it'll go up in the air. And then what happens? It comes down. And that's really a picture of what happens in our lives. We, we run hard trying to get our lives to soar. We run hard to try to get our marriage to soar. We run hard to try to get our family and relationships to soar. We run hard to try to get our career, our finances to soar. We run hard to try to reduce our anxiety. And we think something's happening for a moment, and then it comes crashing down. And that's what always happens when we live apart from the wind apart from the power of the Holy uh, Spirit. Until you invite God's Holy Spirit in your, in your life, your life's never gonna soar the way God intended. And the reason is because we don't control the wind. Jesus even said the wind goes where it, it wants. Nobody controls the wind. And so when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we're trying to catch the wind. We're trying to harness the wind. But the problem for many Christians in churches is that we're not catching and harnessing enough wind to soar the way that we really want. 
Now, I want to make something real clear. If you're a Christian with us today, you already have the gift of the Holy Spirit. Scripture promises that when you start following Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit. Take a look at what Jesus taught his disciples about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14. He said to them, do not let your hearts be troubled. They felt troubled because Jesus just told them he would leave them. But Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Why? He says, he says, when I leave, I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. We're going to talk a little more about this verse, but I want you to notice how Jesus describes the Holy Spirit here as the advocate. He says, I'm going to ask the Father, and he's going to send you an advocate, uh, the Holy Spirit, which means counselor, helper, and he will be with you for how long? Forever, forever. The spirit of truth. So if you're a Christian, you already have the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. If you're not a Christian, you don't have the Holy Spirit. You can feel the Holy Spirit on occasion. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later on. But if you're a Christian here today, there's a big difference between having something and harnessing its power. I mean, you can have a Ferrari, but if it just sits in your garage, you have not harnessed the power of it. That's why, that's why my goal today is not just to understand the Holy Spirit better, but to experience and invite the presence and power of the Holy Spirit to make our life soar the way that God intended. Here's what I think keeps many Christians from experiencing the power of the, of the Holy Spirit. We've forgotten that the Holy Spirit is a person. Now, when I say person, I don't mean a human being. Maybe this is a better way to say it. He's personal. The Holy Spirit is very personal. What if God intended for you to have the Holy Spirit to speak into your life, to speak into every area of your life, just like you had Jesus standing right next to you? Wouldn't it be great to have Jesus uh, beside you all day long, uh, to have the constant companionship of, of Jesus with you uh, throughout, the, throughout the day? I mean, if you're single, maybe you're on a date, and you're trying to discern if this, if this guy is the right one for you. I mean, he's cute, he's, he's funny, he's got a good job, but you're trying to discern, you know, is, is, this, is this the one that God wants for me? But you've got Jesus right next to you, and so you turn to Jesus and ask, you know, Jesus, what do you think? And Jesus goes, run for your life. And so you do, yeah. Or you're reading your Bible, and you're thinking to yourself, I have no idea how this applies to my life. But you got Jesus right next to you, and he shows you how this scripture applies to your life. Oh, thank you. You're, you're throwing a party, and you run out of checks mix. And uh, Jesus goes, bam, and he refills the checks mix. Your dog dies. Jesus raises him from the dead. Your cat dies, and Jesus helps you dig a grave. Yeah, that's a little cat joke. Uh, uh, we love our cats and dogs. Uh, no, don't email me, please. But uh, imagine if you could have Jesus right next to you all day long. I want, I want to show you what Jesus says about this. I think this is mind-boggling. This can blow our minds. We have a tendency, I think, to gloss over this verse. We almost don't believe it's true. Look at what Jesus taught about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16. He said, very truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. Jesus, how can it be for our good, for our benefit, for, for you to leave us? I mean, you're standing right here with us, but look at what he says. Unless I go away, the advocate, that's the Holy Spirit, will not come to you, but if I go, 
I will send him to you. Do you realize the implications of what Jesus says here? Here's what he's telling us. The Holy Spirit in me, it is better than Jesus beside me. I'm going to say that again, and these are not my words. This is the teaching of Jesus. The Holy Spirit in me is better than Jesus beside me. And some of us are like, I'm not, I don't know about that. That, that doesn't make sense. But uh, think about it this way. If we had Jesus here physically right now, do you understand? Jesus could only be in one place at one time. And so if you needed something from Jesus, and Jesus is off in Canada helping somebody else, you're out of luck. We find this in scripture. Mary and Martha had a brother named Lazarus who got sick. They called for Jesus, but Jesus is in another town helping somebody else, and they had to wait several days for Jesus to arrive. That's why Jesus says, I'm going to send somebody just like me, just like God, but he's going to live inside you, and it's better than having me right beside you, God in you at all times, in all places, inside every believer through the Holy Spirit. That's powerful. That's why some of us, even if you're not a Christian, do you know why you feel you, you sometimes feel God's presence when, when we gather together as a church. It's because the Holy Spirit is living and breathing, maybe inside the person next to you, inside people all around you. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes if you're a Christian, maybe you have a bad day, maybe you have a bad week, and you feel distant from God, far from him. But then we gather on the weekend, or you gather with your life group during the week, and you can feel God's presence through the Holy Spirit in people around you, through people, through other people speaking into your life. But let me tell you why I think we have a hard time believing that the Holy Spirit is, is in us and is actually better than Jesus beside us. I think it's because we have this tendency to think of the Holy Spirit as an it and not a who. And we think of the Holy Spirit, we have this tendency to think of the Holy Spirit as like an essence, a feeling, an impersonal force, but not a who. And if we miss out on the fact that the Holy Spirit is personal, very, very personal, then we're gonna miss out on the power and presence and promptings of God in our life. Let me, let me quickly tell you a few reasons why we, why we know the Holy Spirit is very personal. The first one comes from this verse. We looked at this a moment ago where Jesus said, I'll ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you, the advocate is the Holy Spirit. Now, in the original language, there's two words for another, okay? There's the word heteros, which means similar, but not so much. And then there's the word alos, which means the same, the same. Now, guess which word Jesus used for the uh, advocate? Uh, the word alos. Yeah, the same. Jesus says the Holy Spirit is the same, just like me. Let me give you a couple more reasons why we know the Holy Spirit is personal. One is that scripture tells us that we can lie to the Holy Spirit, but it doesn't make sense to lie to an it, does it? In Acts chapter five, Peter said, Ananias, you've lied to the Holy Spirit, but you don't lie to an it, you lie to a person. Uh, uh, scripture also tells us that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. Uh, other translations say that we can bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter four, Paul says, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way uh, you live. Have you ever lied to an it or brought grief to an it? No, no, of course not. Think about it this way. Let's say last week 
you promised to clean your house. Your house got messy and, and your living room got messy. And so you made this promise. I'm going to clean. I'm going to clean my house. I'm going to clean my living room by Friday. I promise. But then Saturday rolls around. You walk into your living room and it's still a mess. And so you start apologizing to your house. Oh, I know I lied to you. I'm so sorry. I know that you must be grieving, you know, right now. No, nobody apologizes uh, to their house. You don't apologize to a tree or to a rock because you don't lie and bring sorrow to an it, but to a person. The Holy Spirit is very personal. And until it sinks in that the Holy Spirit is personal in your life, you're going to miss out on the promptings and guidance from the Holy Spirit. I know if I'm transparent, I mean, I think there's been times in my life, much of my life, when I missed out on how personal the Holy Spirit is and how he wants to speak in, into my life. And so here's the question I want you to wrestle with today as I wrestle with it myself. How would your relationship with God change if you saw the Holy Spirit in you the same as Jesus beside you? What would change in your life if you saw the Holy Spirit as personal as Jesus right next to you. I believe we would begin to hear God's voice and his direction in our life on a level that we've never experienced uh, before. Here's the big idea. Here's my big idea for today. When we believe that the Holy Spirit is personal, we hear and act on his promptings in our, in our life. And the wind of the Holy Spirit helps us to soar. But if we're honest, it all sounds kind of mysterious, doesn't it? Some of us wonder, you know, how do I hear from the Holy Spirit? I don't, even know, I don't even know how I would go about doing that. But Jesus says we can. Let me show you some examples. In John chapter 16, Jesus said the Spirit will guide you into all truth if you allow him to. In Luke chapter 2, Simeon was moved by the Spirit to go to the temple. The Spirit moved Simeon to go and do something. In Acts chapter 20, Paul was compelled by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. Can you imagine if you heard from God about exactly where to go and what to do, and you felt compelled to do that? Your life would soar like never before. But here's what some of us are probably thinking and, and wondering. This is a great question. How would I know? How would I know if it's God prompting me or just a bad meal, you know, a bad burrito or, or something? Or even worse, how would I know if it's God's spirit prompting me or even worse, Satan prompting me? You know, how would I know the, the difference? That's a great question. And so let me just give you three ways that I think you can filter and know with confidence that this is God's Holy Spirit prompting you, not something weird or dangerous uh, prompting you. Here, here's the first way. Being uh, prompted by the Holy Spirit will never contradict God's word. That's why it's important for you to read and know God's word. For example, the Holy Spirit's never going to prompt you to rob a bank or have an affair because the Spirit will never contradict God's word. I'll even take it a step further. The Holy Spirit will probably not even contradict a godly spouse or a godly person speaking into your life. Here's the second way we can discover if this is God's prompting. Being prompted by the Holy Spirit will never be purely selfish. In Philippians chapter two, Paul tells us, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Now, there'll be times when you're prompted by the Holy Spirit that you will benefit because God loves you, God wants to bless you, but if it's purely selfish, purely selfish, then 
It's unlikely that's a prompting from the Holy Spirit. Here's number three. Being prompted by the Holy Spirit will usually cost you something. Remember, God wants your life to make a difference for others, not just for you. So it's going to cost you something. For example, if you feel prompted to reach out and invite someone to come to church, uh, that's going to cost you some confidence. You're going to have to give some confidence to invite someone. Or God might prompt you to give up some of your time, and you're like, no, you know, I want to do what I want to do. But God says, no, I want you to live according to my promptings and my timing. Or you might feel prompted to make a difference through the local church, and it might cost you financially. It'll usually cost you something when God uh, prompts you. And so this is not just something you know, strange or, or, or uh, mysterious out there. This is how God guides us and speaks to us and directs our lives uh, personally through the pr- promptings of the Holy Spirit. But I think there have been more times in my life that I've missed it than I've gotten it right. Now, when I say promptings, here, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that I audibly hear God's voice or I get a letter in the mail uh, from, from God. Okay, when I say promptings, I mean a feeling uh, that you just can't get out of your heart or your soul, or a thought that you just can't get out of your, your mind, and you feel prompted by the Holy Spirit. But instead of me trying to get super technical about what this looks like, I thought maybe I would share with you a few examples from, from my life when, when I felt like I've been uh, prompted uh, by the Holy Spirit, when I have felt uh, the wind of the Holy Spirit. Remember, I've missed more promptings than... I've gotten right. This is a growth area uh, for me. I'm, I'm learning uh, about this uh, area. But I remember about, uh, about 10, 11 months ago, I took a couple days to pray and plan the uh, weekend message series for the upcoming year. And I felt this pull. I felt this prompting to plan a series on anxiety. And I planned it for right after Easter, not knowing about COVID and how it would completely disrupt our lives. But I don't think that was a coincidence. I think the Holy Spirit prompted the, the, the timing and, and moved in our church through that series to help us find peace at a very difficult time. I remember a few years before that, Marnie and I felt the wind of the Holy Spirit prompting us to uh, do something that would cost us and uh, something that we would never have done on our own. We felt, we felt prompted to give more generously than ever before. And it stretched us. We made sacrifices, which felt uh, risky and even scary because we weren't sure how it would all work out. But we did it out of obedience because we felt prompted and it has is, it is amazed us how God has provided. We would say it was one of the best decisions that we ever made in our life. We have felt more peace and joy flowing into our lives. And we just thank God for prompting us to do something that we never would have done on our own. I also remember feeling the wind of the Holy Spirit on a weekend. I mean, I've felt it on many weekends, but I remember one uh, about 10 years ago, we, we really felt the wind blow through the uh, service. We planned spontaneous baptisms for the first time. We'd never done this before. 
where we uh, taught on baptism, and we said, if you feel led to take this step, let's do it now. We got t-shirts, we've got towels, we've got the baptistry filled up and ready to go. And we uh, invited people to respond. Never, never done this before. We always planned and had people sign up in advance. And, and to be honest, I, I wasn't sure anybody would do it. And I almost didn't agree to it, almost didn't do it. But we did it, and the response blew us away. People kept coming. We baptized over 100 people on that weekend. Like 10% of the people in attendance got baptized. I mean, it was just amazing. It was crazy. I've never, I've never personally baptized so many people. And uh, after about 40 baptisms, my arms started getting tired. I started struggling to pull people up out of the water. And uh, fortunately, one of our staff members came up and tapped me on the shoulder and uh, took over for me, kind of like a relief pitcher. But I don't know how you explain that weekend other than the Holy Spirit moved People. I remember some people saying to me after they got baptized, Ben, it was like you were speaking personally to me. But that wasn't me. That was the Holy Spirit. And you know what? I believe God wants to speak in your life today. I really believe it. And he wants to speak in your life even more than, than you probably want to hear from him. And if you listen to his promptings and act, you, don't, you, you can't just listen and do nothing. If, 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 if you listen and act, uh, the wind of the Holy Spirit is going to make your life soar like never before. And so here's the takeaway uh, today. I want you to open your life more to the Holy Spirit by praying a simple prayer every single day this week. Okay, here's the prayer. God, help me hear your promptings this week and act on them. Show me how personal you are. A simple prayer. Show me, God, how personal you are. If you pray that prayer, you you might hear God. You might hear from God, maybe in ways that you've never experienced before. He might prompt you to invite someone to church. Maybe you've been holding back, and now you feel like, no, that's God speaking to me. He might prompt you to go ahead and sign up and take the Alpha class, the the rooted group, and and go further with God, go deeper with God. He might prompt you to give. He might prompt you to lay down your agenda at work. He might prompt you to make a phone call to somebody who needs encouragement. He might prompt you to forgive a friend, to forgive your your spouse. He might prompt you to move in a certain direction and, and do something big in your life. I don't know how the Spirit's going to prompt you. But if you pray this prayer every day, you might see God move like never before. He might prompt some of you to get baptized. Maybe some of you wonder, you know, do I have uh, the Holy Spirit? Has God really given me the Holy Spirit? Maybe you feel unsure. I want you to notice how Scripture connects confidence in the Holy Spirit with baptism. Look at what happened at the baptism of Jesus. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water And at that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. In him, I am well pleased. Notice how the Holy Spirit appears at the baptism of Jesus to give Jesus confidence in his presence, in his life. Peter makes this connection for us. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then look at the next verse. His promise is for all, for you and your children and all who are far off. The Holy Spirit is available to to everyone 
who feels far from God. Peter says, baptism will give you confidence that you have the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so if you've already taken that step, hold on to that promise. And if you, and if you haven't, maybe God is prompting you to take the step of uh, baptism because God wants you to feel 100% confident in the Holy Spirit. We have a, a baptism opportunity uh, coming up here in, in a few weeks. It's called the uh, Baptism Bash. We do this event outdoors every August and we have uh, live music and food and, and games and we set up a pool for outdoor baptisms. We have baptized lots of people at the uh, Baptism Bash. And if you'd like to get baptized or if you have questions about it, click on the welcome card and let us, let us uh, know. Or you can stop at the Welcome Center in the lobby. We also do private baptisms. Anytime you're ready, you let us know. And we would be glad to schedule uh, your baptism for you. So pray this simple prayer. God, help me hear your promptings this week and act on them. Show me how personal you are. Pray that prayer and then do what the Spirit leads you to do. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit and how you want to know us and guide us in such a personal way. Help us to realize how personal you are for those of us who follow Jesus. You are there for us. And you want to move in our lives as we listen to the Holy Spirit. God, I pray for you to move in our lives and get a hold of our hearts as we pray this prayer this week and as we act and do what you lead us to do. And I want to pray specifically for the person here today or watching today that has never gone all in with Jesus and taken the step of baptism. I pray they would feel your prompting and take this step. In Jesus' name, amen.